How you doing, wrestling fans? And happy new year to all of you. Welcome to 2024, and welcome to another edition of John Arissi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight Podcast, the only wrestling podcast that brings you back 30-plus years with Vintage Audio, featuring some of the biggest names of that time. This show is no exception. Pro Wrestling Spotlight covered all the news stories and breaking developments that happened in real time. Now we get to relive those moments right here on this podcast. Today, we're going to review show number 257 of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight, which aired on 1240 AM WGBB in Babylon, New York, on November the 20th, 1994. Uh, we're going to welcome Donnie Liable into the studio from that show uh, from years ago, as well as Cowboy Bob Orton, uh, who has really an interesting phone call into the show, and uh, I'm not going to give you any spoilers yet. Uh, something really, really cool, especially if you're a fan of modern day wrestling and somebody who uh, is part of his bloodline. Uh, so that's going to be fun. And we also have a, um, a special appearance by Brian Last from years ago. Brian from Long Beach with a extended uh, uh, call from him. We'll get into that and everything else. But I want to say to all of you out there, our Patreon account is still doing what it does uh all of you who support this show is uh we consider your friends and thank you so much for all the support over the last uh wow a few years since we've been doing this and uh five bucks a month can get you in that door and you can hear all of these shows all of the archives of the pro wrestling spotlight i recently put up uh some other posts uh, that honored the uh, 50th anniversary of Bruno San Martino winning the WWWF title December 10th, 1973, uh, to uh, some really cool photos from that night. And also that new Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden, where we talk about that night, is up and running as well. Uh, patrons get it first. Patrons get everything commercial free. So why don't you uh, sign up? That is patreon.com forward slash John Arezzi. Let's bring on the newest amateur wrestler in the world of amateur wrestling, Mr. Marsh. Coming, hey in, from, <laughs> coming in from Arizona. Uh, I do understand that you are uh, about to enter, enter amateur wrestling. So tell us about that, please. Yeah, there's no reason not to. For, uh, for Christmas this year, someone I hadn't talked to in a long time remembered I liked wrestling and sent me a brand new double x singlet i haven't tried it on yet but i'm gonna i think I'm you should wear it on next it. the next week's show when we tape that for our youtube viewers i think if it would really mean a lot to everyone kicking in the new year uh, of you just doing the show in the singlet i should and i got ray mysterio's mask i could do the show in a singlet with a mask yeah and I'll, if I if i could find <laughs> my old wrestling outfit from 1978 i would wear <laughs> yeah. that do you still have it? No. It was in a box I threw out probably when I sold my house. Yeah. Was, I know I had it, the boots, the singlet, uh, but I don't anymore. So that's um, yeah, life in the big city. Someone maybe yeah. have picked it out of the garbage and might be enjoying it today. You should have <laughs> signed it for you tossed it just to see if it popped up anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I did sign it. I put loser on it. Yeah. <laughs> Jobber. <Owen> Jobber. <laughs> So how were you, how were your holidays? They're really good, really good, very low key. We kind of kept it around. We did a little staycation thing for New Year's, and that was uh, it was really nice. 
Yeah, I, I had a really quiet one too. Yeah. Um, went up to New York. Uh, was with the family, my nephew, my sister. Uh, we had a, a pretty cool Christmas Eve. Went to one of my sister's friends' house. They do this big spread of all this Italian delicacies and antipast and and that lobster tails and and it was fun. And um, typically, the same people do a New Year's Eve party, but this year they decided not to. But my sister got tickets to a stand-up comedian friend of hers uh, in a little uh, a place called the Brokerage Comedy Club on Long Island, and um, and I was the fodder of some insults from that gentleman because <laughs> he's a ultra right wing guy, you yeah. know. He's a full-blown uh, Donald Trump supporter and everything else. And he made one comment, something about Biden, and everyone started cheering and clapping. And I didn't. I just didn't, you know. And, yeah. and, he, and he just looked at me. He goes, ah, the only one who didn't applaud. You're a communist? And he kept coming back to me the whole night. But I, I was all in good fun. Yeah. Well, I, was, I mean, did you tell him communism gets a bad rap? <laughs> <laughs> It was fun. And he was a cool guy and we hung out. And then New Year's Eve, we just my sister, my nephew and I, we just watched uh the New Year's Eve celebration from Nashville, actually. Mm. You know, watched the Times Square stuff. And it was it was good. It was it was quiet and I was glad that there was not a lot going on. Did go to a few movies while I was up in New York, as I typically do. Uh have you seen the Iron Claw yet? We saw that New Year's Day. What'd you think? I thought it was phenomenal. The way they did it was very artistically done. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was great. It was emotional. The line in the end killed me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was, it was really, really well put together. I understand some people's gripes with some of the performances of some of the characters, but at the same time, like, I think the one thing that people forget about is what made guys like Harley Race special and Ric Flair special is they were one of a kind. Like it's going to be hard to find someone that looks like them and or sounds like them and even can master their mannerism. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they were like one of ones. So I think they were pretty spot on a lot of it. I think the character that played Fritz von Erich, I mean, that was phenomenal. I that think the cool. whole movie was phenomenal. It was a dramatization. Uh, so there were things that were omitted from history and you have nitpickers out there. It's like, oh, they didn't mention this or they didn't mention the brother that had died, the other brother that had killed himself. And uh, But I think it had it had the uh, the essence of the of the story of that family, the tragedy of that story, how popular those boys were and how big the Von Ericks were in the wrestling business and in uh, the crowd that we saw it. Uh, there were, you know, people were like pretty amazed at this, especially if you're not a wrestling fan. It's like this, this was true. Yeah. So it was amazing. So I really loved it. I enjoyed it. I hope they, um, I hope that during award season it gets recognized. Uh, so um, I think there should, there should be some uh, recognition, whether it's best picture or not. I don't know, but some of the performances, uh, it, it, it's certainly worthy. And it was a good movie. I did see uh, one other movie while I was up there, too. And uh, that one was called Poor Things with Emma Stone. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen it, but I've seen oh, the commercials. Oh. It looks neat. Oh, I, I, you know, it was probably the most bizarre movie I've ever seen in my entire life. 
Okay. I mean, it was it was so good. It was so good. My nephew, who I went with on that, he was like, I don't know. I've never seen anything like this in my life. Uh, and it was it was really it was good. Special effects, the brilliant uh, uh, scenic, the the plot. And I was I've always been an Emma Stone fan. And this one just this movie just blew me away. I, I just it, it was it was utterly bizarre, amazing, um, incredibly graphic in so many different areas. Hmm. Um, I would highly recommend it. That's good to hear because my one thought I've had while watching the trailers is, are they trying to be weird for weird sake and thinking it's going to come across as clever? Because sometimes just being weird or bizarre or something that no one's ever done, sometimes because it's just not a good idea to do it. You know no. what I mean? But, but if they, they made they, it all they work. Could, they couldn't even put in the, in the trailers any of this true or, or just some of the bizarre graphic nature yeah. of this film and what this whole plot was about. It was incredible. I mean, so it really, cool. it really was really, really good. So when it uh, works, it's great. It, you know I, mean? I, I, I would be remiss if you saw this and didn't come back and say, "Wow, I would be." I mean, that's what I was hoping. Like I said, when when weird works, it's amazing. And sometimes people go like, "Hey, let me do." Like, I, I don't like those videos I see on TikTok where it's like, always keep them guessing. And it's like just people doing something and then trying to be as random as possible in a sequence. There's It's for, for no end and it's for sake of, right? But yeah. if someone figured out a way to do a story that might feel that way, but actually tell you something, that's mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, it's it's kind of like uh, Frankenstein in a way. Um, uh, it's just bizarre. I mean, it's yeah. it really is. But... The graphic, the graphic nature of it was crazy. Is it bloody? Not, um, it, yes. My, it's, it is? Okay, so I'll have to watch it without my fiance. She's not like bloody. Yeah. So it's but very, very, very <laughs> sexual as well. Well, then I'll tell her that that might that might change your mind. <laughs> I mean, Emma Stone is like full, you know. Yeah. It it's it's very it's graphic in so many different ways, but Wow. Uh, right. I, well, I enjoyed it because I, I'm a little bit bizarre in my own brain. Yeah. And sometimes it's cool to, and, want, and refreshing to watch something that is just so remarkably different. You get different feelings, you know? Yeah, it was. it's cutting edge in a way that I hadn't seen cutting edge in a film in many, many years. That's awesome. Uh, can I ask you one thing about, about Iron Claw, just on the wrestling aspect of it? Because sure. we, we had the amazing joy of being able to interview Kevin Von Erich last year. Mm -hmm. uh, and he had mentioned in there that he really wasn't involved in the making of this at all. He wasn't. Um, not a consultant or anything. Um, without going down the rabbit hole, I went down on my own show about how angry I was about that as a fact. But the, the interesting bit to me is that knowing that, it's interesting that they the movie's basically a biopic about him. It is. You know, like, it kind of left me a little sour at the end when I was like, how do you not even put him as a, just to I make know. sure he gets a little money on it. You know what I mean? Like, I know, if you say, have, let's make you a consultant and not even ask you something. They have MJF as an executive producer. That's my point. Is he knows better. And, <laughs> and Kevin should have, you know, whatever it was. I mean, they, he, he, from what he said, uh, they did it without him even knowing. He had, he read about it and then he got involved. And I guess the producers, directors, the actors, they all fell in love with him and the family yeah. anyway. So. But I uh, yeah, I think that was an injustice uh, yeah. for not 
putting him in as a consulting producer or something to put him in and put him in the credits and give him a payday from it. Exactly. That was my biggest, that was my biggest gripe about the whole thing is knowing that he's not getting a cut of this and it's yeah. all about him. And then knowing that I, there was a few like really personal scenes that I was like, how do they know that? Mm -hmm. I mean, well, you know, look at it this way. I mean, what an opportunity, you know, Tony Khan gave his uh, sons. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. How long will that continue? If they're smart, they they make something of that and bring those boys back. And those guys did a pretty good job in the in the matches that they appeared uh, yeah. in the one match on TV. And I guess they did a ring of honor as well. And and yeah. Kevin, that angle at the end was great. He came out and did the claw. Oh, yeah. But I mean, that's just so cool. that's just um, that would be really cool if they would give these guys a shot. Yeah, they certainly need it. Like, yeah. who knows what's going on with MJF now? I mean, there's all kinds of rumors and speculation. He really, uh, when I, he did the, the main event against Smojo, it was at Nassau Coliseum on Long Island in his hometown, and he lost the title. Yeah. He got destroyed at the end. He's taken a lot of time off. And my nephew and I were talking about that before the show because my nephew was like, we should, you know, sh we should go to the movie to see it. And I was like, listen, that's going to be a four or five hour show. I'm not sitting in the theater. I don't want to go there live. Mm. Uh, and the show was it had, you know, big a attendance. So uh, that's when we decided to go see uh, uh, Poor Things. Uh, but I, I said to him that if MJF loses in his hometown, in the biggest match of his career, in his backyard, if he loses the title, to me, that means that maybe he's done with them. Mm. We don't know. It could be a swerve, yeah. but he's a free agent as of 2024, and uh, only time will tell. But uh, imagine if he shows up at the Royal Rumble. It could be pretty big. My hunch, my gut, I don't think he's leaving AEW. Yeah. But on the flip side, I really think he should. I think yeah, if he's yeah. ever going to get the notoriety that he believes he deserves and should be able to prove, he's got to leave. Yeah. Join yeah. Cody, join Sam Punk, and and look what they're doing. They're going to be and the things. He worked really well with both those guys. He did. Could be interesting. And, uh, you know, finally, before we get to what happened all those years ago, The Rock, not a big surprise, but The Rock coming back. Yeah. When he said that line, you know, where should I eat while well, I'm here in San Diego? I like to be at the head of the table. Yeah. And that was it. You knew that something's going to happen. Yep. And the rumors swirling, the debates are happening, the anger. Everyone is so upset and so excited. And how do they make this work? How do you shoehorn that in? Like, it's a fun time to kind of just speculate because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. it could be anything. And I honestly, as much as there's things I prefer and don't prefer and would like and don't like, I haven't seen any of them that sound awful. You know what I mean? Everyone's speculation. Yeah, it could be cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I like the whole idea of the buildup. I look forward as I always do to the Royal Rumble. I think it's going to be a good one this year. Um, yeah. And going into WrestleMania, they've been leading. This had to happen. Rock against Roman has to happen. Yep. They've been doing it too long for it to not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even in the beginning when they first brought out like um, the Wild Samoans, the offense at the end of uh, what was it? The Hell in a Cell. Mm -hmm. Everyone was like, okay, how do we get the Rock involved? You know what I mean? Like it was yeah. day one. We knew. Yeah. So 
Well, we'll see what happens. We have lots of wrestling to watch, and uh, we have lots of wrestling to talk about today on this episode. Yeah, you had. Yeah, let's go back. November 20th, 94, episode 257. Mm -hmm. uh, you had Don Libel in studio. I did. How many times do you think he was in studio? A hand, maybe a handful, less than a handful between the three stations. Yeah, because I... Not not often. Even, I know I haven't heard the entire catalog, but I have heard a good chunk of it. I was listening one before I was even on, but uh, I could only think of a couple times he was at events that you were at, so you recorded with him, but none of them were in studio. I couldn't right. remember. So, just kind of a cool... I have the opening here where you bring him on. Awesome. Also, ironically, doesn't do a capsule. No capsule <laughs> this week, but he's there in person. Isn't that something? <laughs> yeah. He goes, one or the other, pal. it's time for the Pro Wrestling Spotlight with your host, John Arezzi. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the program for Sunday, November 20th, 1994. Another big week of pro wrestling news right here on WGBB. And first of all, I want to welcome here in the studio with me uh, a gentleman who I've known for 20 or so years, I would guess. Uh, someone who's done a news capsule with me since uh, 1989 when we began this program on commercial airwaves, Don Libel. Don, how are you? Very good, John. Just recovering from a night uh, going into the gates of hell, the ECW arena. Tremendous card, and anybody that's never been uh, to an ECW card, you have never experienced anything. It is an experience, and um, there's no other way to explain it than to watch it, to be there, to feel it. It's incredible. Well, last night, of course, uh, another big show in the uh, Philadelphia area at the ECW Arena. And uh, a turn-away crowd last night. Legitimately, they shut the doors. They couldn't fit anybody else into the building. The place was rocking all night long. And uh, it's certainly becoming, uh, and we say this time and time again after each one of these shows, and you don't feel that uh, the show that you're going to can top the last one, but it happened. It happened again. And just the fact that the crowd is just as much a part of the show. Audience participation is incredible. They Throughout have, the night. Uh, let's see, frying pans. Uh, they, they hand the wrestlers chairs, cookie, crutches. I saw a cookie sheet last uh, night. Uh, <laughs> that was used, crutches. And uh, it, was, it was unbelievable. And uh, just the return of Sabu last night after that injury a couple weeks ago was a miracle in itself. But uh, as Paulie said, Paulie Dangerous said here on this program a couple of weeks ago, Sabu said he would be there on the 19th. He was there, and Sabu said he was going to give him a show. And uh, I saw some of the, some moves last night by Sabu that I'd never seen before, uh, including putting a chair, as you saw, on the very top turnbuckle, getting on top of that chair as it's on the top turnbuckle, and doing a moonsault onto uh, to Ted Petty. It was unbelievable. Sabu did it. Yeah, Sabu appeared like he said he was going to after that horrific uh, head injury uh, against Chris Benoit. Uh, but having Donnie there was kind of cool because Donnie is like a kid. Donnie is, and he called me a little while ago, actually, and he's talking baseball with me. But he's got the same childlike enthusiasm as I've known him all his life. And and this show, for him being there and for him to be at the ECW arena experiencing that and then coming into the studio, it's like Christmas for him, yeah. these types of things. Genuine enthusiasm. 
genuine innocence, and he never lost that, really. So you guys had planned him to come out like for the whole weekend. He was coming down yeah. and he was and he stayed with you, I imagine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He stayed awesome. at a place that uh, we were renting at the time. Uh, but yeah, Donnie is um, <clears throat> that was good to have him there. You know, it was uh, like like you mentioned, you didn't hear him in the studio often because he wasn't there. I think it's awesome, dude. Uh, yeah, he seemed excited. He was really <laughs> going to the ECW show. We do end up having a caller later that talks about Donnie being there. He chimes in here and there. So there's a few clips along the way. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just cool to hear your friendship with him back then. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's been this, it's been consistent, you know, all of these years. Yeah, you know, it, you're talking 50, 50 years. Yeah, forty nine actually this year because uh, I met him in um, uh, nineteen seventy five, but that's a long friendship to endure. Did you have like a spare room, or was it? Were you staying with your mom? Like, um, well, let's see. That was ninety four. So we were actually renting a house uh, at that time in West Babylon. And um, it was a couple of bedrooms, and I had a, a, a downstairs office set up. So that's where Donnie probably stayed down there. Okay. Nice. And then was it you and, and your family? It was just me and my mom. And you really? Okay. Yeah. My sister had, um, uh, my sister had uh, gotten married a few years earlier. Okay. Actually, she got married in 86, so that was several years earlier. Uh, so it was just me and my mom. Yeah. I mean, it also explains why Don knew your mom. And the so cat. Well. And the cat. The fat one? Child. <laughs> my sister's cat that she couldn't keep. Child. How often, how often would Donnie come stay with you? I know it was probably anytime he came through the city to watch a show, right? Uh, convention time, really. Okay. Yeah, so anytime he was coming up to New York, which was not often, it was during the weekend of champions to help out, and and it was rare. It was rare. Is he the type? Because I know he called you a lot. Mm -hmm. If your mom picked up, would he just chop it up with her for a while before you even get? Oh the yeah, phone? yeah, yeah. My mom loved Donnie too. Not surprised. I just thought it was awesome. And my sister, you know, everybody loved Donnie. I mean, it's Donnie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the first time I met him on here, I was like, this guy's incredible. Yeah. And his energy. And like, yeah. there's certain people that you can, I mean, I haven't even met him face to face, but there's certain people where you get approached by them or you can feel like almost just this positiveness, just emitting from you're like, Oh, that person's heart is made of gold. Yeah. And, uh, Donnie's the type. And what's so, so cool about Don too is the fact that he's very active. He's you know closing in on retirement, and he works in the medical industry, and he's really doing that just to keep busy to keep his his uh, yeah. his health insurance until you know he goes on Medicare. But he keeps himself active uh, by writing. Uh, he he writes for a number of different uh, uh, publications, but uh, I would I would suggest because he's written some he he's written. And there's a w wonderful uh, article he just wrote hmm. uh, called True Confessions of a Pro Wrestling Junkie by Don oh. Liable. And uh, it, it talks about why he left wrestling. And it has this wonderful picture here 
of him with Nature Boy Ric Flair. And I'll, I'll hold it up for YouTube viewers if you guys could see it. I don't know if you can or not. Oh, yeah, there that it is. That was like at Flair's debut at Madison Square Garden. So Donnie writes about baseball. He writes about wrestling uh, occasionally. So if you want to check this stuff out, this is at uh, – go to WB, WIBX uh, – the uh, the URL wibx950.com, and then he also works for the Bradington Times, uh, so that's the BradingtonTimes.com, where he does amazing writing about baseball. So if you want to check him out, I think he does both of these. Uh, he writes for both of them weekly. He does these. Yes. Columns. That's awesome. The uh, wrestling junkie one. We should uh, link that article on the. Patreon. I would say yes. People would be fascinated by it. As a matter of fact, when he called me tonight, he asked me if I read it, and I said, "Yeah." I said I was really surprised that you put that stuff out there. Really? I know Donnie always wanted to write a book, and I, I told him you should write it. You should write it. You yeah. don't need a ghost writer. You're a writer. Yeah, you should do yeah. it. And whether you self-publish it or find a publisher for it, this guy was in the wrestling business for so many years, and he saw so much, and he loved it so much, and then he hated it because of, you know, what happened when he was hanging out with the ECW guys. The amount of people that we know in different publishing circles, I can't imagine, even if he just wrote it, I can't imagine we couldn't get it pitched somewhere. Well, I mean, I've talked to him many, many times, many years about it. Because the title is there, and he just he just feels he needs a ghostwriter for some reason. I don't know. That, that makes no sense. To put it in any structural order, I don't know. But I think that he should, uh, because he has a lot of tales to tell. Also, with him, yeah, tell the stories. Write it now. And then worry about the other stuff later, right? Like, yeah. maybe there is no structure. Maybe you bring in a ghostwriter after you already have the meat to of it. Edit. I don't know, this is an argument for yeah, him. Yeah, to edit it, yeah. <laughs> I'm preaching to the choir on this one. I'm all like, tell him he has to. (laughs) If you do go, anybody who is listening, who's not on the Patreon, if you do go to WIBX.com, if you just hit the search button, actually search only the word Don, it's the first thing that pops up. Is that article? So, uh, but we're going to link it in the Patreon because this this is great. Great article. And it really surprised me that he actually put it out there. I think it's awesome, man. We need more books uh let's see oh and then i mean just quick shout out earl hebner's got a book out now he just released it with a small publishing company called uh walking on hot waffles is the name of the publishing company (laughs) i don't know i don't know but it's a fun read Um, well he saw a lot too didn't he he's been through a couple things he has been he even there's a chapter in there called uh t-shirts and bullshit ah i think controversy t-shirts and bullshits bullshit yeah so like he's he's telling his side yeah uh but it's pretty good uh speaking of cool and telling their side and like you said earlier legacy yeah got bob orton on the line yes uh it was a nice long interview i cut it looks like one part of it in the middle there where you ask him about going because uh, he just came back from India. You ask him about the crowds you talked to him a little bit the last time you saw him so Herb Abrams mm-hmm. comes up for a minute uh, and Don Liebel comes on to ask him, as Don Liebel always does. Yeah. The- yeah, this was the meat of this interview. This, when I listened to it, when I uploaded it, I was like, this is freaking cool. This is so cool. 
So I think everyone out there listening or watching on YouTube are really going to get a kick out of this. But uh, there was uh, some controversy on this tour over there. Uh, there were a number of guys there. But uh, yeah. uh, first of all, what type of uh, venues uh, did you play in? And uh, how were the crowds there? Uh, the crowds, we wrestled, I think, eight nights. And I believe that all but maybe one of them would have sold out Madison Square Garden. Wow. Uh, there were... Uh, uh, gr- uh, one crowd was, hell, I don't know, 70,000 people. You just looked out of the ring, and it was just like, you know, you see them things like where, where Gandhi or the, uh, uh, what's his name over there, John Paul the Pope? Yeah. It was just like massive amount of people. Just massive people. You just looked out, and that's all you could see was just heads, you know, for, for it seemed like miles. You know, it was great. Well, they out to that concerned, and they put us up in the nicest places over there. Uh-huh. Uh, I really had no complaints uh, one night, the uh, uh, guards did get out of hand, way out of hand. It seemed like they didn't know what they were there for. Yeah, that's what uh, we had uh, heard reports. It was out on the AP wire here in the United States, which went out nationwide, yeah. that uh, they reported that uh, the ultimate warrior. Well, just the warrior. He called himself the warrior. That was Chris Walker, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's his name. Real nice fella. Yeah, well, what, what uh, if uh, to your best recole- recollection, what uh, transpired during, the, what caused that incident? Well, uh, this is going to be a little ironic, that I was in the back at the time speaking to the promoter about uh, uh, security. I was telling them that I didn't think it was too good and that we needed to get the head guy, let them guys know uh, who they were, the, were there to protect. And ironically, that's when all this transpired, and I really don't know what happened. When I went out, it was already over. And, you know, it's a good thing I wasn't standing back there watching, or I'd have been right in the middle of it. And, yeah. And uh, they all carry machine guns over there. I'd have been, been the one that had to pull the gun on, Daddy, because, you know, you, <laughs> you them millennials couldn't stop me. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> but, uh, no, really, all in all... Uh, uh, I had a great time, but I didn't go over there expecting uh, uh, the Garden of Eden. You know, I knew what I was going over there to. Yeah. And uh, you, uh, uh, we're all men. We've been around the world, you know, many, many times. And and uh, you got to, you know, uh, walk uh, softly. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. Got to use your head. Yes, especially when you're outside uh, the U.S. of A. And uh, when we heard these reports about, uh, you know, the police getting involved and clubbing uh, uh, the wrestlers and uh, Bill Eden, then as Don was mentioning, there were some reports that uh, uh, the warrior was uh, was in the hospital in a coma or whatever. So we just wanted to try to get... There were 20 of them guys on uh, uh, demolition, and and he was just knocking them off, from what I understand, like flies. Wow. Uh, you know. He, yeah, Bill Eady's a tough guy. Yeah, big, strong guy. And, <laughs> yeah. and uh, See, but something you got to remember, when you go to these places, they hate Americans. They hate us because of the way we live, our lifestyle, uh, what we have over here. And uh, they just hate us. And you've got to realize that when you go to these places, that they do not like you. Uh, me, I'm used to that. The Americans don't even like me. So, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it's no problem for me. Well, you're certainly uh, one of the most well-liked guys in the wrestling business here in the States, and uh, everybody always talks good about you. I was, uh, last time I ran into you was out in Las Vegas for the Blackjack Brawl. Oh, uh, yeah. Promoted by Herb Abrams. Yeah, and, uh, he still I, hadn't paid me that geek. Well, there's been a lot of reports about that, but also <laughs> just the thing that really uh, uh, irritated me during your match 
was the fact that uh, you know he gave uh, Ludwig Borger a chair. Oh, actually, it was, and you got busted open pretty good. It was uh, uh it was pretty inches. ugly. Yeah, six stitches. It was just a scratch. You know, I was back in the casino later that night. Well, what do you think? Of, what do you think of a promoter giving uh, giving one of the wrestlers a chair? You know, that's uh, that was something I never seen before. You, I think the guys. He's 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 way brain up. dead. Don't don't get me started on promoters. <laughs> well, I hope I've always treated you good. Yes, you have, John. But yes, uh, you have. You were fantastic to work for. It was a pleasure and a nice place to go. Yeah, we had a lot uh, of Malaysia is beautiful. You know, nothing like India. Yeah, but at the same time, like I say, you know, they put us up in the great hotels, and as long as you stayed at the hotel around the swimming pool and stuff, it was okay. If you wanted to uh, really open your eyes, you know, just. And just walk outside and walk around a little bit, you know, and just look at the stuff. And uh, I'll tell you, it makes you glad to be back home in the good old U.S. of A. Uh-huh. Well, Don Leibel's here also, Bob, and uh, he certainly wants to say hello to you and has a couple questions Hi, for Hi, Bob. Uh, yeah. The times I spent with you up in New England when uh, you worked for uh, Walter Kowalski, um, yeah, a couple yeah. of questions for you. One, how's your son doing? I know you had said in the past that he was doing quite well in amateur well, wrestling. Uh, he was state champion down here twice. Uh, he beat the national champion last year, uh, three times and he lost to him once. And, uh, he started, uh, uh, high school this year. And to my surprise and amazement, he made the, uh, uh, basketball team. <laughs> He's not going to wrestle. He's going to play basketball. Oh, but by golly, that's what he wants to do. And, and, uh, so God bless him for it. He's on the honor roll and that's the important thing. How old is your son now? He's uh, 14, and he's a, he's about a half an inch uh, uh, taller than me. I got to look up to the kid now. No kidding. Oh yeah, yeah. He's really he's really growing. I've had him uh, training since he was nine. So you know he's. Well, you're a very good amateur he's wrestler. Be ready. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That was great. I mean that that we should put that up as a short. Absolutely. I thought the same thing. Like, incredible. Like, the fact that he's even, like, been training him since he was nine. I'd like to ask either one of them what that entailed. Like, is he just meaning, like, he had him running around? Did he actually put him in a ring and teach him how to run the ropes? Like, what did he mean by training him? Yeah. You know, I I had that opportunity in Joplin, Missouri, when I promoted an IWAS show there uh, to do uh, some TV and, and met. Uh, Randy, and I guess he was 16 because that was in 96. So he was just 16. And what a respectful kid he was. Um, I wish I still had the videotape. <laughs> that would be nice. But uh, yeah, so this is kind of really fascinating. You know, when you hear about a 14 year old kid, and Bob said he's going to be playing basketball, but we all know that where he ended up, and that's going to be in the WWE Hall of Fame for sure. Uh, someday um but yeah when i heard that i was like i popped really i was like this is so cool to even discuss this yeah immediately I and mean, again it, it's donnie <laughs> you know what I mean? yes. how's your son you're like why are right. you? he's always asking everyone how their family is that's why like the f- one time your mom called in he had to get on the line and say hi to her yeah you know like just awesome but yeah the fact he's like he's 14 years old and he's a half inch taller than me and how cool, like, you could hear him then. I bet you nothing makes him happier the day that someone went up to him for the first time and went, oh, you're Randy Orton's dad. Mm-hmm. And it was no longer your Bob's son. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
that had to be really cool for him because i'm sure it's happened at this point i'm sure yeah um i mean as much as i respect him and know his career um not on the same level as you do by any means the first time i saw him at cac i went oh shoot it's randy's dad yeah cowboy you know what i mean but yeah well what a performer he was over the years and yeah. he did a wonderful job for us in iwas as well and uh but yeah bob is a great great guy and uh, just a legend and this whole thing i mean you could hear the whole interview if you're a patron just go to patreon.com forward slash john Arezzi and you could hear the entire interview with bob that we did on the telephone and it was a good one it was it was a good one and and anyone who who wants to meet bob he's at cac every year at cauliflower alley he is. always there and they have a tournament for cribbage and he wins a lot he always wins <laughs> <laughs> but i'll be honest i'd have to learn how to play cribbage to even try to play it so it'd be like if i sat down and he was teaching me which he does with people i've seen him uh he you know someone i don't know how to play well, let me teach you he still will whoop you yeah. <laughs> but like, the games that I would play in my age and state of mind today would be Candyland or Operation. Oh, those are good ones. We should definitely petition that. Candyland. Yeah. Let's set up a, a PlayStation and have Candyland. <laughs> people who don't want to play cribbage. <laughs> so, uh, Candyland was a board game for three-year-olds. I know. I'm fully aware. I'm a master <laughs> of Candyland. You will school you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, and then and then they ask him. Uh, Donnie asked a really astute question too about if he's going to be going down to Dallas because there's all that rumbling stuff down there about something coming up in Dallas, and he talks about coming to Smoky Mountain and all that. So it is a good interview for anybody who's got the Patreon. You're going to enjoy it. Uh, but moving along a little bit here, live from the Dennis Coraluzo <laughs> NWA tournament. Yes, was Brian last? Yes, he Brian. called in. Yes, he did. He called in specifically to give you the results. Yeah. And it was the first time I met Brian in person was at that Carluzzo deal. Yeah, because you went earlier for the signings. Yep. And then you split for the show. Yeah, which didn't uh didn't <laughs> didn't endear me to Dennis. He <laughs> wanted us to stay in Joyzy, but we did not. Yeah, you had a long drive ahead of you. Yeah, but Brian was uh, became very, very close to Dennis. So, uh, but he did say, you know, he didn't say the most complimentary things in this. Uh, really, in he was everyone. close with him. Very close with Dennis, yeah, because of Cornette. But I thought also Cornette didn't like Dennis. Well, they were they did a lot of stuff together, didn't they? Okay, I didn't realize that because I don't think I've heard him mention Dennis Corluzo in a positive way almost ever. Oh yeah, maybe I'm brain dead. No, no, no. I, I also could be misinterpreting the way he says things. Yeah. Um, cause he might even just be making jokes because he does like the guy or whatever, you know? I don't know. I can't figure, I can't figure that guy's brain out. That's true too. Um, but yeah, I didn't realize that they had gotten close, but, uh, yeah, he went to the Corluzo show. He stayed for the NWA tournament and he called in very excited to give you the absolute report, like everything about it. He couldn't wait. And so this, this to me was cool. I shrunk it. Yeah, you'll hear little fast forward tape sounds at certain points. So that way the breaks and the things don't sound like completely like canned. If you listen to the original Patreon. Yeah, if you go to Patreon, you hear the whole thing. So for me, it was fascinating because Brian would normally call in and ask a question 
or maybe two sometimes, and mm-hmm. that would be it. It would be a, a segment that would last a minute or two with Brian's calls and then the answer. But this was a this was a lengthy one. So this is kind of like, uh, you know, if you follow Brian, and I certainly listen to the podcast still with the Cornettes, uh, the two shows that he does, and I enjoy them every week. Um, this is kind of like his first uh, lengthy foray yeah. as uh, reporting on something. I felt like he wanted to, in his heart, end that segment with, for, for Pro Wrestling Spotlight, I'm Brian Last. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he felt like he came prepared and ready to report. So it was cool. So this is it. This is the condensed version. It's still a few minutes long mm-hmm. um, with just some kind of like highlights to me. Back at the program. And I understand we do have uh, someone who was at the tournament yesterday, Brian uh, Last. And he's going to be joining us. And that before we get to the ECW report, let's find out what happened at the NWA tournament last night. Brian, are you there? How you doing, John? Hey, Brian, how you doing? Uh, you missed. I know you were at ECW, but it was a hell of a show. One of Dennis Carlos's only good ones, I'd say. Well, it was an exciting night. Oh uh, well, I would say the lowest rated match was maybe two stars. Every, I mean, Eddie Gilbert was a human highlight. Every match he had was a brawl around the arena, and he got on the mic after his final match and pretty much threatened to murder Caruso. And, uh... He did? Yeah, well, it seemed like he didn't know he was supposed to lose or something. There was one match which apparently turned into a shoot, and, uh... Well, why don't we do this? Do you have the results in front of you? Yes, I do. Okay, why don't you go over the results and give us, like, a little synopsis of uh, each one of the matches. The second match, which was unbelievable, was Chris Candido beat Al Snow, which was just a great match, because Al Snow's one of the best independent guys out there today. Yes, he is. And that was unbelievable mat work, and the crowd was really playing, and... It was uh, surprising that after that, Chris Candido gave Al Snow a handshake. They hugged, and they went their separate ways. After that match, um, wait, hold on for a second. I got it written down over here. Okay. Brian Last, who was, uh, had Sorry, a chance to say hello to him yesterday, and it was good to see you yesterday at the autograph show, too. Yeah. Um, actually, before the Chris Candido match, Eddie Gilbert beat Johnny Gunn. Then came the second round of the tournament. In the first match, Tracy Smothers beat Eddie Gilbert in what I would say four-and-a-half start all around the arena, into the crowd, these fire extinguishers that went outside, everywhere. And Tracy Smothers, he probably, him and Candido are probably the MVPs of the card. They had some of the greatest matches they've ever had. But, it, but in that, that was the second round, Smothers beating Gilbert? Smothers beating Gilbert, yes. And after that match, Gilbert on the, got on the mic and asked for Carluzzo, and Carluzzo was nowhere to be found. And then he walked off, and apparently he was supposed to do some kind of photo shoot for Bill Raptor and all those other magazines, and he just walked right past him. participants.
This is for the ECW Bingo Hall title. The winner will get the ECW Bingo title. They started calling out bingo numbers during the matches. Saying bad things about Todd Gordon and various other wrestlers. And just... Well, when we showed up yesterday, uh, obviously we went to the autograph session first before the ECW show. It was like everyone was questioning us, why weren't we staying for the tournament? And it was just, uh, it was just a matter of a, a choice on my part and also the people who are going on this trip. I've uh, been following ECW uh, and their growth. And it was a place I wanted to be. I wanted to be in a building that was rocking. I wish both shows weren't on the same night, yeah. you know. Uh, but, uh, you know, the promotional wars that have taken place in that area... Uh, they should stop. You know, yeah. they should they should learn to work with each other. But unfortunately, in the wrestling business, uh, that's not going to happen. Honestly, Caruso's not going to affect Todd Gordon. Todd Gordon's not going to affect Caruso. No. And I, that's what I believe. I mean, just, it got really, I mean, from what I understand, Thursday night when they were in Philadelphia, uh, Caruso's guys were going after everybody, who, anything that had to do with ECW. They were slashing tires of cars. Well, that's allegedly, right? Yeah. That yeah. I've heard from many people. And last night, I know for a fact, there were some guys handing out ECW flyers for the show at like 6.30, 7 o'clock, and uh, Caruso started chasing them away outside. I mean, just... It's gotten I mean, ugly. Yeah, but I mean, it really gets... I mean, I've seen that Tommy Fiora and Dennis Caruso went out of their way to get on the microphone and just trash ECW. And I know several ECW fans confronted Caruso and threatened like, hurt him bad. And, you know, just, it really is stupid. His kids were there, and they, they have to see this... Just for no reason, just trashing ECW. Well, well, our opinion here is that should, everyone should try to get along together. And yeah. as far as these ugly incidents that are taking place, uh, uh, you know, I wish that uh, people can get along. But hey, that's uh, that's life in this crazy wrestling business. But listen, I I appreciate your time today, Brian, uh, giving us a firsthand report of what happened at the tournament, and uh, we appreciate it very much. No problem, John. Okay, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. Thanks a lot. It was an ugly night in New Jersey. With yeah. all the shenanigans going on. It was cool, too. He was giving star ratings for every one of the matches and stuff. Mm -hmm. It was cool. Was I mean, that's kind of a... that's a, that, that was a, definitely a cool segment. It really was. And and um, it was uh, in the middle of this heated wrestling war that Carluzzo yeah. just couldn't accept the fact that right over the bridge, you know, Todd Gordon is rocking it with Paul Heyman doing uh you know turn away crowds yeah but he, it was very petty what was going on yeah and at one point i don't have the the clip of it but um donnie even asked one of the fans because you guys get a slew of fans calling in they were there that night and loved yeah it, right uh one of the ones who calls in donnie says hey do you think it'd be possible like how do you successful do you think it would be if they both just like threw down their arms and found a venue and used both rosters and did a show ECW and core losers NWA. And even the caller was like, I don't think it would land. He's like, uh, there's just a lot of people fandom of ECW who are fully aware of what core losers doing in his behaviors that they hate him. Mm -hmm. And you just kind of go, God. And unfortunately that turns the fans against each other too. Yes. It's almost like, you know, on a much larger scale today, obviously AEW fans, W, you know, they're the ones that are, uh, very vocal and very passionate and they don't like uh, any criticism towards AEW and uh, and it's you know it, yeah. it's wrestling let everybody succeed yeah I mean why, why would you want someone to go out of business or trash uh, you know their competitors Com competition is good absolutely I even understand the idea of being indifferent to a company whether mm -hmm. 
succeeds or not, or whether it goes under, whatever. It's not like I'm aware of it or watch it or any of that stuff. Like I get that, but also like rooting against it is not make sense because as long as it is there on any level, it's helping the people you want to succeed, succeed somewhere. It's not, right? it, it's not productive for the health of the business. No, no. Uh, yeah. But it's crazy. It's neat. Like this is also like, yeah, Corluzo's doing his thing and rumors are going around about him all the time. And I don't, I mean, Corluzo had money, didn't he? Mm, he was an insurance salesman. Yeah. Mm. This was a side thing for him. And, and he had the monster factory with Larry Sharp. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he was a man of, you know, a wealthy man. Let's put it yeah. that way. Because I also, the other thing too, is I even like Brian said it then, he doesn't think that their success or failure is going to hurt or help either each other. So why would you work against each other? Because yeah. whether one goes under, you're not going to do better. And you know what I mean? And vice versa. So I don't think that their partnership would have made either one succeed either, but it definitely would have made for a lot more cool matches and fun yeah, storytelling. But, but the, the slashing of the tires, the calling the fire department, yeah. you know, to check on the crowd. It was just... It was just petty bullshit. It was ridiculous. Uh, let's see. You do go into the ECW show with Donnie. You break down the entire show uh, with the results. And uh, I didn't keep the whole thing because it is kind of lengthy of this. It was this match mm -hmm. and this happened here. Mm -hmm. But I did snap a part in the middle where you talk about um, Sandman. And then you guys talk about Sabu's match. Okay. And then the big grudge match, Tommy Dreamer against Sandman. Uh, that was a brawl that took place throughout the ECW arena, and uh, that one went everywhere. You know, i got to tell you, as I've said to you earlier, I think the Sandman is a perfect example of creating, nurturing, and, and building your own talent, local talent that becomes a star. I thought Sandman, his interviews on television are incredible. His poise outside and inside the ring... And the heat that he generates with he and Dreamer yesterday, uh, it goes back to what I was saying, that every match on there could be a main event. You know, we we hear that cliche so many times, but I think with ECW, it's a perfect example where every match the fans are so involved in. And, and Sandman, I, I can't help it. I've watched him on tape. I've seen him in person. I saw him about a year or so ago, and I can't help but to be a fan of his because he has progressed. Yeah, and it doesn't hurt when you have someone uh... – the likes of Nancy Sullivan, uh, also known as Woman, in your corner. So that was uh, – she looked great last night. She really did. It was exciting. Of course, uh, uh, I, I didn't really see the end of the match, but did Peaches, uh, the estranged wife of Salmon, get involved in it yes, also? Yes, she did. And, uh, you know, I was dodging. Uh, when you're up at ringside uh, taking pictures or even sitting in a first or second row – uh, after a while, if you're not watching uh, both sides constantly, you might get hit. Uh, I moved out of the way towards that, but she did. I saw her come to the ring with the uh, uh, the caning stick and whatnot, so uh, I know she did get involved. Yes. Tasmaniac and Sabu taking on Joe and Dean Malenko. Incredible. Uh, match of the night, in my opinion. Uh, I'll tell you, the Malenkos are master, master craftsmen when it comes to, uh, you know, we hear so much about Bret Hart, how, mu how much of a technician he is. Uh, I think uh, he's as equal or uh, at least equal with the Malenkos. And just uh, seeing Taz and, and uh, Sabu being brought to the ring, uh, the lights and, and, and uh, whatever. It, they uh, had them both on a gurney. They yeah. were like chained, they chained in. 911 uh, uh, 
brought them out on a gurney. The lights were all out, and they hit the ring, and the, the brawl was unbelievable. Sabu wearing a neck brace uh, for the legitimate injury that he has suffered, and uh, he was mentally preparing himself to get out to the ring before the show, and uh, he really wanted to prove himself to the people there because the last two times he wasn't able to perform. The first time he had broken his ribs the night before against Cactus, and then, of course, the unfortunate uh, uh, neck injury from the last show, which was like uh, one minute into the match. So he put on a performance last night, which uh, I rank as the best performance I've ever seen him put on. Uh, the moonsaults, the, the, the fact that he, uh, after Public Enemy, had interfered in the match at the end, uh, just getting on top of, putting that chair on top of the third turnbuckle, and I don't even know how he kept his balance up there, and he did a damn moonsault off of it. Um, it was incredible. It was certainly incredible. He was amazing during his what, prime. Wasn't he wrestling in a neck brace too, or did he come up? He was. Him? Yeah. It's, it's just insane. Yeah, and, and, and in the back before, just watching him try to psych himself up and get prepared for what he was about to do out there with a very sensitive situation with a neck injury that, you know, could have killed him, but he's back. He goes back out there and he puts on the performance uh, to that point of his life that I, that I had seen watching him. The funny part too, is that we've, I've heard stories before about uh, injuries happening and you performing anyways. And it's always like, Oh, my shoulders hurt. So let's work the other side or whatever. How do you go to like, uh, hey, just don't work my neck. Yeah. I'll just avoid yeah. the neck. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going on the top rope with a chair doing a moonsault. I mean, yeah. Suicidal, homicidal, genocidal. Paulie had his, uh, had that, um, uh, those descriptions of him to the T. Yeah, absolutely. Incredible. Uh, but I knew that you guys were looking forward to it, you, especially with all the coverage we did of Sabu the last couple of weeks. I thought we should at least hear you guys. Yeah. talking about Sabu. And obviously that's one of the guys that people mentioned on all the calls was mm-hmm. and Sabu, you know, like it's crazy to think it's a golden age. Really. If you look back at it, yeah, 29 years ago, it was a golden period for that, for that federation. Uh, I just wonder what, do you think that he would have translated the same way if he were in WWF at that time? Cause didn't, did his style... I think they would have warded him down. Yeah. He might have been able to do more in WCW, but mm. uh, he wouldn't get away with that stuff in the W. At that time, it wasn't the Attitude Era. Yeah. It was right before it. But I think he could have been a game changer if they used him the right way, if he ever had that opportunity to work full-time in the WWF back then. Yeah. That's cool. I've thought about that in the past, just Sabu's... You know, so legendary to the people who watched so regularly the ECW product. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder if if they needed each other in that sense. Like, would either one have been able to be what they were, you know, lore-wise later if either one mm-hmm. didn't have each other to make that happen? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, pretty cool. Uh, you do talk a little bit about backstage Paul Heyman. Uh I mean, it's just, it's cool to hear this, especially because we've seen Beyond the Mat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, one thing also, just regarding the atmosphere backstage, uh, they had a little bit of a pep talk, Paulie, and for all the guys, and Todd Gordon, and 
the atmosphere in the back, it's not like a typical wrestling dressing room where everyone's no. trying to stab each other in the back for the position in the company. It's uh, everyone like a team player. They all know their role, and, and that was the first time. I likened it to a, a football coach uh, going out and doing that in a locker room before a game. It was the first time in 20-odd years that I've been involved with wrestling that I've seen that, and I think that sets a good uh, uh, precedence. Everybody feels that they're important. It's not like they're a doormat uh, for the main event. Yes, indeed. Uh, it was an exciting night, and the fans there, I, I really feel that uh, one of the, the local press in Philadelphia, whether it's an evening magazine show or uh, the Philadelphia Inquirer newspaper, someone, a reporter, or a, a, someone should go to that arena to do a feature on what's happening in that arena. It's, it's, it's unlike any wrestling crowd I've, I've, I've seen live. They hand chairs. They hand uh, crutches. Um, it's a little subculture. People. It, exactly. It's, it's difficult to explain unless you're there to experience it. Now, I was there last uh, year ago, last June, and it was the atmosphere was rabbit, but it was a lot different. Uh, you know, when I, when I saw them having to close the doors, I said a lot of promoters wish they had that problem. Yep, that's, that's very true. We're going to take a commercial break, and uh, when we get back, we have lots more things to talk about in pro wrestling, so we'll be back after this. Yeah, it was a very unique subculture. That was a good way to put it back then it really was the crowd especially those people sitting up front they were as much a part of the show sometimes as the performers in the ring were and it only got more um they, they only got involved more as time went by yeah and i mean you called it then people should be recording this stuff well at one point someone did mm-hmm. you know the only insight we've really seen to any of that is um is that like that beyond the mat. Yeah. And that was something that Paul did. I mean, and that beyond the mat, I believe that was their first pay-per-view. Donnie was there. I mean, uh, uh, he's in that uh, scene um, where Paulie gave the pep talk. Donnie's in there. Donnie's there. You could see him in the footage. Yeah. So dope. Yeah. Yeah. But that was, it was like Paulie was the football coach. He was like, you know, just getting the troops, everybody circle around. And then Paulie goes up on the little stairway and, and then he just goes to town and, and fires everybody up. Yep. This is the dance. Yeah. Yeah. It was an amazing time. That's cool. I wish I could see you backstage on the Beyond the Map. Every now and again when I watch old stuff, I'm all like, is there, is there, oh, I saw a Studio 54 documentary and I kept looking for Paul. Like, yeah, Paul right. In the crowd? Yeah, where Every is time it? they showed a picture, I paused it. Uh-huh. It's <laughs> kind of cool to see yourself back then. I mean... When I watch some of those old Madison Square Garden tapes from 75, 76, um, and I see myself shooting at ringside as young as I was and seeing myself with George Napolitano and and just shooting pictures and being there, it's kind of like it brings you back. Like, wow, I remember that vividly like it was yesterday. So cool. It's my favorite part about this show. We got to go back and listen to stuff. As I said, I get warm feelings hearing your guys' friendship, mm-hmm. and I wasn't there. <laughs> so I can yeah. only imagine when you hear it back, you go, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. It really is. Just to cover it, and, you know, not to give another plug out, but that Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden where we reviewed the December 10th show 50 years later when Bruno won the title, and uh, Carrie Silken joins us on that episode. Yeah. It's out there for everybody. Was really it brought me back to that magic night that Bruno won that title against Stasiak and 
that we knew uh, before the sh- before the show started that Bruno was going to win. And it's really interesting to look back at it and to have the memory of those things. And, and then, of course, for this show, have the tapes that we can review each and every week. That's why when we talk about recycling again, um, it's something that I think we got to do. I agree. I agree. Uh, let's see. We do get into the callers. You were trying to say a few times you were trying to get a few people on the line, but you really just, you didn't get anybody else on the line. So every now and again, you come up from break and like, how's where's Sabu? Can we get Sabu? And it just never happens. Yeah. Um, so for a huge chunk of the show, you're just taking calls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of them were at the show last night. So yeah. it's been pretty cool. So this is one person who uh, I thought had a fun story uh, followed up by a kid who I just liked his attitude. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's hear it. And we'll talk to Brett from Islip. Brett, you're first. And, of course, Brett was on the uh, trip last night. Brett, are you there? How you doing, John? Good. I Good. just called to tell you that was the sickest show I ever saw in my life last night. The sickest show? I was in the front row. I got blood all over me. I had a guy next to me, him and Kevin Sullivan, a meat cleaver and stuff. It was incredible. <laughs> no no uh, dismemberment, though, right? No, not really. But, uh, did and you... now I'm hooked. I'm going to be on the next bus trip if I can fit on there and... I'm hooked for life now. Was that the first ECW show you'd, you'd gone to? Yeah, the first one live. I've been watching all the tapes, though. Uh-huh. But the tapes don't even compare. Well, how do you describe the, the crowd atmosphere compared to the other shows that you've been? Oh, incredible. Those guys up in the bleachers there were incredible. The bleacher bums? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, they're coming sh- for everybody. Yeah, they, they certainly were gunning for me. I went there to distribute a few posters, and they started yeah, making some chants <laughs> about me. It was a... Uh, I said... I went back... Back to the dressing room, I said, they show no mercy to anyone, do you they? Know, you talk about uh, sick crowds. Uh, one fellow on the bus as we were talking about earlier, he took back the chair that was used yeah. on, during the match, and there was blood on it, and they literally took the chair home. Mm-hmm. What a souvenir. My friend next to me got blood all over his pants and everything. So. <laughs> next time, I guess, everyone in the front row, they should hand out, like, plastic. Uh, <laughs> you know, like a Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, you should wear a raincoat when you go there. Yeah, it was amazing. But uh, we appreciate uh, you coming on a trip. Thanks a lot for having it. And uh, hopefully we'll see you uh, December 17th. I hope so. All right. Thanks a lot for your call, Brett. Okay, take care. 955-1240 is the number to call here at the program. We'll go to uh, Long Beach and speak to Dan. Dan, you're next. Hello? Hello? Yes, Dan, you're next. Okay. Yeah, well, you're on the air. Hello? Yes. What can okay. we do for you? Um. Yeah, I found out the guys that won the Survivor Series, the first one for you. Okay. They're Davey Boy, Jim Neidhart, Red Hart, King Kong Bundy, and Bam Bam Bigelow. No, that's great. Bigelow, I appreciate that. that. That's a surprise for me. Will you be watching it this Wednesday? Yeah, I will. What are, you, what are your feelings on Backlund turning? What do you think of uh, You think Backlund's going to come out of it with the strap? Well, I guess so, but I, I, I'm rooting for the hitman. Okay. Anything else? Uh, yeah, I need to know the real names of the Road Warriors and Papa Shango. Okay, Papa Shango is... Uh, uh, let me check my book here, but I think it's Charles Harris, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Mike he- lives in Las Vegas. Right. Uh, Mike Hextrand is uh, Road Warrior Hawk. And Joe, how do you pronounce his last name? I can't pronounce his last name. <laughs> it starts at La, La Gerentes, uh, something like that. Papa Shango is Charles Wright, by the way. Okay. And Road Warrior Hawk is Mike Hextrand, and uh, Road Warrior Animal is Joe Begins with an L A U R N A something. I cannot pronounce. Lorentes or something like that. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. Thanks for your call. Nine five five twelve forty is the number to call. Laurenitis. Laurenitis. I love that you guys are going back forever trying to figure out how to say Laurenitis. 
Well, we only know that name now just because of Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. That kid was, that was a good call. Was I liked good. him. He goes, yeah, and I, I, uh, I need to know their names. Yeah. <laughs> right, right now. Yeah. Or else, yeah. I'll start, or, else, or else I'll start chanting with the fans at ECW started chanting at you. Yeah. Which was, you fat fuck. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least the at least the guy didn't at the comedy show didn't go that route. At least he strictly went for your <laughs> <in> his background. <laughs> no, he didn't go that route, but it was, yeah. you know. So he's like, I, I, I don't even want to get into it, but it was, <laughs> That's fine. It was funny. It was all in good fun. Yeah. I had uh, I had a blast. I'm sure as soon as he pointed at you, you're all like, All right, here we go again. I'm the butt of another series of jokes. Let's do yeah. it. Buckle yeah. up. Hey, listen, I was just there just to enjoy it. And my sister pre-warned me and uh, she knew the guy really well. She says, just be prepared. I was like, I am. I'm cool. Don't worry about it. Um, Let's see. A lot of calls. Paul from Philly. Greatest show ever. Oh, I like that, that comment, too, that Donna made that fans were taking home stuff because it had blood on it. Yeah. They're like, oh, we want that. And it was great. And the one guy's like, this was amazing. I got blood all over myself. I loved it. And you're like, that's so weird. And he was talking about a meat cleaver. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Um, all right. So we got a couple more callers. This one is, yeah, because there's just a bunch of stuff in there about, um, I mean, one person calls in to find out what somebody, I don't know where he read it, but Miss Elizabeth had a non-compete clause and he didn't know what that was. So it's the first time you guys really break down the non-compete and how that works, uh, which I thought was kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Dominic from Queens calls in to give the results of a Tommy D show at Our Lady of Guadalupe. And my favorite part was that he started it with, it was just like an ECW show. And you're all <laughs> like, Tommy D's show, Universal yeah. Wrestling Superstars, I doubt it. Yeah, he said it was just like an ECW show. You got to check it out. And you're like, okay. Uh, and then he also asked you, did you ask Ron Sculler about those photos? So apparently he was trying to buy photos off of Ron, I think. So um, you said he's working. He'll see what he can do is what he said. So, oh, and before we get to the next clip, someone asked what was going on with Ric Flair. You talk about how he's working backstage and the, the rumor is he's going to work and team with Hogan next year. And uh, the guy says that's, you know, an awful spot for Flair to have to team with Hogan. And you said, but the money he got paid for the Hogan match. He is set for life. Hmm. I think he files for bankruptcy four times after this. So. <laughs> no kidding. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. He's constantly running out of money. But well, <laughs> what he does every night, he takes his payday and he just spends well, it at the bar. I just loved it. Set for life. And I was like, 94? He'd find a way not to be. Mm-hmm. Could have. Could have. Yeah. He may be set for life now. Yes. Yeah. But uh, here's here's three phone calls back to back, which uh, I just got a kick out of. Twelve forty is the number to call here at the program, and uh, uh, we'll be taking your calls here at uh, Pro Wrestling Spotlight for for the next fifty minutes or so, and uh, we're going to try to get Sabu on the line as well because uh, uh, that would certainly be interesting, and uh, we hope to have him on before the end of the show. Let's go to Rod from Medford. Rod, you're next. Hello. Hi, John. This is Rob from Medford. How's hey, Rob. How you doing? Good. I was at the show last night. And I was in the third row, and there's no words to describe it anymore. You just have to be there to see it. Two things about the show. I thought it was pretty funny watching Donnie Leibel. Like, he was like running for his life the whole show. 
You know, twice I almost got nailed. Once I did get hit by Shane Douglas, and I got out of the way. Uh, Especially and, during that uh, the door collar match, you looked like you just didn't want to be out there. Uh, well, you know, there was puddles of blood on the floor, and uh, when you kneel down, a lot of times if you, you're trying to watch both ways, who's coming at you, and then you see your, these puddles of blood. Uh, a little difficult uh, at times. And the other thing about uh, ECW, where in America can you go home with sensational Sherry shoe as I did last night? Did it's you just, catch the shoe? Yes, I did. It bounced off my friend, and it was laying right in front of me. Picked it up, and I went home with a souvenir. That's a nice souvenir, <laughs> I tell you. Unbelievable! It's just incredible. She hurt her ankle uh, when he when Shane threw her into the ropes. She had heels on, and she couldn't run into the ropes, and she mm. twisted her ankle. And they were attending uh, to her after she the show. She some of the most incredible bumps I've ever seen. She really does. She earns her pay. Yeah. And one thing about the Survivor Series. The, the Backlund Hitman thing, I don't know, between you and Donnie, the hype for this match, I'm looking forward to this more than I was to the Flair Hogan match. I don't know how you guys feel, but just what Backlund's been doing. Yeah, oh, exactly. See this. And I'd like to say, you know, some people uh, uh, like to say the 70s, quote unquote, style this and that. Well, it's taking a guy from the 70s to get your interest back again. And, and this old generation versus new generation, I'm quite proud to see Backlund back there in a top position and probably will be getting the belt and uh, uh, goes to show uh, the old generation isn't so bad after all. This is true. Thanks a lot for your time, guys. Thanks for your call. Bye-bye. Good one. This was the guy who got to take home the, the Sherry Martell shoe, which I thought was funny. And hearing Don, mm-hmm. like you said, almost childlike, oh, you got the shoe. <laughs> like, yeah. I remember that spot. And describing you know, what he had to go through running around the ringside of one eight people and not wanting to kneel down because there were puddles of blood everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then did they have, was Jared on that line or did I cut that where he wants to see if his friend can get in to wrestling? No, we didn't hear that. Yeah. So I, I thought I had added that, but as I'm reading the notes and realized that I didn't hear that, uh, a guy calls in after that, who, uh, one of his friends called in earlier and he goes, my friend wants to get into wrestling. He's always hitting himself with stuff at school and hitting himself with chairs and making himself bleed. And you and Donnie start laughing. You're like, well, that might be all he needs to know how to do. So mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, I used to freak people out in college and because I used to be really good at being able to slam my head into a wall and make it look real. Yes. I used to do that too in like high school and stuff. I would put my foot out and kick doors as people opened it yeah. and threw my head back. Yeah. And I constantly made people think they were hitting me with doors. <laughs> you just, when you're a wrestling fan as a kid, you start. Yeah. Goofing. And people look at you like, what the hell's wrong with this guy? Yep. Um, but uh, you get another couple callers about venues, about uh, an ECW. Uh, this next batch of them is really cool because one of the things that a caller asked before is what you thought about Sherry Martell in the Shane Douglas spot. And uh, because he said that, you know, back when Hogan did a Sherry spot, a lot of people were like, hey, there's really no place for this. You shouldn't be having a man hit a woman like this. Um, But people kind of like brushed over it a little bit. Uh, And then this one, people were kind of celebrating it. So this caller called in to kind of like call you on it. Like, hey, are you guys saying this is cool? You said more or less that like you personally still felt like there really didn't need to do that. That seeing a man hit a woman isn't to you entertaining in a sense that needs to be on the product so this one opens up with donnie coming right out of the break 
he told you how he felt about it and you actually wanted him to say it on air. So he does go into his opinion on it. What makes mm -hmm. Sherry special and different in a way. Mm -hmm. um, and then you get a, a two callers back to back after that. Now back to the Pro Wrestling Spotlight with your host, John Arezzi. All righty, we're back for the remainder. And Don, you brought up a good point during the commercial break regarding uh, Sensational Sherry. This, this is my own opinion. Uh, I have no problem with Sherry getting slammed uh, by Shane Douglas. I have no problem with her getting knocked around on the cage by Hulk Hogan. Why? I don't look at Sherry as a woman when she's out at the ring. I look at her as a wrestler. And I don't say female wrestler or male wrestler. That's her job to be out there. She knows what she's doing. She just happens to be doing it with four other men there. Could be three women or one man. However, the combination is um, she's a professional. Uh, yes, she is a woman, but she's a wrestler. And uh, that's what a wrestler does. They get involved physically and, and get thrown around. And if she didn't want to be there, she wouldn't be there. She's not uh, the manager type like Elizabeth was who didn't get slammed around or whatever. Sherry's a wrestler first, then she became a manager. And I personally don't have any problem with that. <laughs> and our engineer Mark says she looks like a man in the first place. She's looking pretty good recently. She looked good last night, I'll tell you that. Uh, looked very relaxed and uh, certainly dressed elegantly last night in the back. She's uh, certainly a beautiful lady as well, personally. She's a very nice lady. Uh, we're going to go to Seaford and uh, take our next caller at 955-1240 at the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Mark from Seaford, you're on. Hello, Mark. You're, the, you're next. Okay. You're on the internet right now. Hi. Oh, hi, John. Hi, Mark. It's a long time no talk to. This is like Mark from like back in the original 1989 days? Yep, the original 1989 days. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Hanging in there. Um, question, maybe something that you and Don would like to look into. I heard that Vince McMahon signed a deal with Fox 5 to have a Super Bowl halftime show. Oh, really? Well, that's, that's, something, that's, something, that's something to check into. It's supposed to be a tag team steel cage match pitting... Lex Luger and Bret Hart against The Undertaker and an unknown opponent. Maybe Ultimate Warrior. Possible. And the, you were talking about The Warrior returning at, at uh, SummerSlam. That's a fire I series. also heard that Jake the Snake Roberts may be returning as well. Well, these are all rumors that uh, we could try to verify, but uh, Jake the Snake is another guy that uh, I could see him going back to WWE. Yeah, I, I, and for the, for the very reason, uh, I believe that Jake... Uh, his bargaining power probably isn't there anymore, that no. he's more or less looking for work, and uh, he still has the name with them, uh, but I think they would be the ones that have him over the barrel now, so to speak. Yeah, Jake the Snake's certainly a big name, but uh, like I said, he's burned a lot of bridges in this business and many, many promotions throughout uh, throughout the world, and uh, uh, he had his most uh, success in the WWF, and uh, he was a strong, strong uh, merchandising uh character for the kids so i could see vince taking him back mm. all right john thanks a lot mark good, good, luck with good talking show. to you thank you very much Bye -bye. haven't heard from mark in a few years here at the program uh we'll go back to the phones and go to Vito from brooklyn Vito, you're next hi Vito, you're on the air <laughs> we should have let that play out that's like that's becoming my favorite song <laughs> once a week Knows a zippo about you, wrestling, but I, knows a lot Don, about being a jerk. Can, can you name that tune? <laughs> I can't name that tune. Do you know what no. it is? Do you know what it is? What yeah, is it? it's called I Am a Moron. No, Mark Mark seems to know he can name it's, that tune. It's from Bugs Bunny. That oh, thing with the Little Red Riding Hood? The is one? It? Yeah. <laughs> where, is it really? Yes. 
Okay, I have no have life one. either. I hear it every week. I have no life either. <laughs> oh, boy. We were waiting for that answer for a long time. Forever. Ever. <laughs> the old Red Riding Hood angle on Bugs Bunny cartoon. I found it. I found it, and it's absolutely the beginning of it. really? Yeah. I watched it. It's four minutes long, and I don't know if it's a wrestling term or not, but there is a moment where I know it's used in wrestling, which is what I'm saying. I don't know where it came from. There's a moment where the wolf goes to a bed, and there's a bunch of his family in there, mm-hmm. and he says, take a powder, and so they all <laughs> run out of the, be- the bed. <laughs> well, that, that cola was creative then. A yeah. little wrestling tying into it. I think so. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that was the longest that we heard that uh, also. It was. And it was so long that I went to, as I was doing it, I was like, oh, shoot. And I start pausing stuff and I'm going and I'm listening to it play through and I'm trying to like get that clip out so I can start seeing if I could Spotify it or something. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he goes, oh, I know where it's from. I was like, wait, what? Huh? And uh, yeah, it's the beginning of a, of a Little Red Riding Hood Bugs Bunny cartoon. <laughs> Mystery solved. Yeah, we did it. I couldn't believe it. I was so excited because of, yeah, every week we've been talking about it. We should play it longer. You're like, I should have played it longer. And then in this very one, I should have play. <laughs> that is cool. Here it is, John. Here's the answer. All right. <laughs> Look at that. Yep. And then she's going through the mountains and stuff. And then the wolf breaks in, and right here. Come on, come on! Take a powder! This is my racket! Wow. It's the only, the only wrestling reference they could find in it, but. Hey, it's reason enough to go to the YouTube and watch that on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash pro wrestling spotlight. You'll be able to see what Marsh and I got so excited about. What a highlight of 2024 so far. Oh my God. I was just, it was, it was vindicating to hear Mark back then say <laughs> he, he had it. I was so, I was so excited when I was pulling that clip. It was ridiculous. Yeah. It was like, I like, I had no business being that excited to hear that answer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how the hell you found it. Man, that's crazy. So amazing. Maybe one day we'll do a full watch along of the four yeah, and a half well, minutes. How the hell did you, I mean, how the hell did you find it? I mean, when he said Bugs Bunny, all you did was put Bugs Bunny, Red Riding Hood in a search, and it came up. Yeah, there was a couple things. But yeah, I was digging around for anything that looked like Little Red Riding Hood having to do with Bugs Bunny. Yeah. And then when I pushed that one, just to see, I was like, what about this one? Uh, it opened with it. That was the opening. I would have loved to have seen you the expression on your face <laughs> when you discovered it. It was like when Kurt Angle won his first championship. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So cool. So, so first, first show of the year, we're winning. We're already winning. We're already in there in the winner's circle. Yep. Uh, One guy calls in Marshall from old bridge. Oh, I was going to say about the halftime show. Vince eventually did that. He was getting halftime show stuff that Remember halftime heat? It was a couple yeah. times they did that. It didn't happen in that Super Bowl, though. No, it didn't happen in that Super Bowl, and not under the way that they had speculated it was happening. Yeah, but it's probably because it didn't work out. The Vince said, "F them, we'll yeah. figure out a way to do a halftime show." Yeah, and he did. 
And he did. Um, Marshall from Old Bridge called in. He was asking about Manny Fernandez booking a show in New Jersey. And the whole thing was almost contentious about him. being like, I need more information about that group. And you're like, oh, it's these guys and stuff. And he goes, all right, well, how do I get a hold of them? And I was like, what? <laughs> and then you're all like, uh, yeah, D Dominic might have more information. He's like, okay, so give me Dominic's number. I need to find out more. <laughs> like, What's going on? like, this guy's trying to find Manny Fernandez. Like, yeah, so, maybe he had ulterior, ulterior motives. Uh, it didn't feel safe. It did not. <laughs> uh, this is the final clip I have, though. It's a, okay. a call from Steve who talks about AAA. Uh, Donnie tells a pretty cool story and then it's kind of your, uh, a little bit of the outro, which I just thought was kind of a uh, nice, nice way to end it. And we will go to long beach and speak to Steve. Steve, you're next. Okay, good. Steve. Hello? Yes, you're on. Okay, good. Uh, gentlemen, I want to uh, bring up something that you talked about last week, John, uh, regarding the use of the Spanish television stations. And I, I would like to say that any of these up and coming organizations, ECW, AAA, any of the other ones, should, for my money, go exclusively right now until they can get an English network, go with a Spanish network. And the reason I say this is because I'm a devout soccer fan, and soccer has kept its interest up from the days of the Cosmos to the last summer's World Cup because of the Spanish-language telecasts on Channel 41 and 47 and the Italian telecasts on Sunday mornings on Channel 31. And I'll tell you, if you were, and I'm sure you and Don, remember uh, Miguel Alonzar, who did the old Lucha Libre shows on... Miguel Alonso, yeah. Uh, and Miguel Yaney. And uh, Luis Magrana, his color yeah, man. Luis Magrana, yeah, that's right. Uh, and, and I tell you, they were as entertaining and as enjoyable as any as any uh, uh, announcer you'd ever want to hear. Any of the English guys, they're better than just about anybody well, that's around now. Well, also, the WWF used to be on Friday nights there. They were on Saturdays on Channel 47. And, of course, as you said, 41 was on Wednesday. So right. I agree that that's a, a lot of people get those stations. M Miguel Alonso, especially when he used to, when there was a submission hole. Oh, like, he was beautiful. What do you say? Do you give up? When well, the know? guy counted for tres palmares, tres palmares, he used to scream. <laughs> do you know, a couple of years ago, about uh, three years ago, I was coming home on a plane from Florida, and as I was switching in Baltimore, Baltimore. It was the day before the WWF television tapings in Utica, New York, and just so happened the crew from the WWF, the production crew, were, were getting on my plane, and it was a small plane. And who who was well along with them was Miguel. Ah, and I, I this is incredible. He sat right next to me, and I of course I had just come back from Florida from seeing um, uh, Al Costello, one of the Kangaroos, and I had a lot of wrestling memorabilia with me, and I had an old LA program. And I sat next to Miguel, and he couldn't believe when I asked him, tried talking to him, he couldn't believe that somebody knew who he was. He was, you know, a little confused. And I said, "Yeah, yeah, Channel Forty One." <laughs> and I'm trying to, to mimic the, the music and everything. Oh, I love that music. Well, when we got off the plane, and I, I asked him for his autograph, these people were all crowding around us, wondering, "Who is it? Who is it?" And I, I, of course, I couldn't explain because they wouldn't realize or understand who it was. But he felt so shocked that somebody actually knew who he was. But remember, in between the tag matches, in between the rounds they had, they would have that, that music playing. Oh, yeah. Remember that? And that right. infamous bell sounding at the Olympic? Oh, I, I, I went there a couple of times. I've got a picture of that telephone number. I still remember Richmond yeah, 9 5171. Five, one, <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell me this. You know, we all say how, how wonderful, I'm sure, uh, he, he has been. Howard Finkel's a great announcer. Right. There's been some, but nobody in my Yeah, book, I'm talking about play-by-play. -play. Fink never did play-by-play. Right, no, play. but I, what I'm going to say is yeah. nobody could hold a candle to Jimmy Lennon when it comes to ring announcers. Yeah. Yeah, nobody. That guy's voice and and the the he was the, an uncle of the Lennon sisters. Uh, yes. yes, incredible. His son is a ring announcer, does boxing, and sounds just like him. Incredible. 
one, the one other thing I wanted to mention, why, why I say you could, they, they could go with a Spanish network, again, with soccer, uh, I'm sure you, you and everybody were aware of the, the publicity that Andres Cantor, who did all the games on the Univision television network, got he outra- outraged and upstaged all the English guys, and Tony Tirado, who did them before him for the old Spanish international network, it was the same thing. So they really could, could go for this timing for a start with the Spanish announcers and uh, just get the, get the product on the air. The big problem I see, and I was on television in 1985 here on Channel 2 with, with, uh, Eddie Mansfield, who wrestled out there, and I saw him a few times, is they, is to get into when, when they, when they can build up a following and build up a, a good attendance base to fight their way into the garden, because Vince has a lock on all three arenas, and that's going to be the biggest problem for these up and coming federations to get in there, to force their way in and get the, the uh, uh, people who operate these three arenas to allow allow them in there uh, and not worry about whether Vince is going to pout and go off and say, say I'm taking my product somewhere else. Well, the, the, the bottom line is the dollars that could be generated. And if, let's say, AAA comes back to the Paramount and sells that out, their next step is the big building. And because of the relationships that uh, Ron Scola's partners, who also manage, manage the band Salt and Pepper, have, they have relationships with these buildings. So that's one group that's that could po- that's one group that could possibly get in. Uh but anyway, we got to run. We appreciate your call and your okay, insights. Okay, good talking to you, John. Good talking to you. Bye. Okay, take care. And uh that was an interesting last caller for today, Don, and um tell you lots of things going on in the business and uh, I want to thank you for uh, coming down here live in the studio today. Oh, it's just accompanying us on the bus trip yesterday, a which lot was of a fun. lot of fun. A lot of fun and uh, um I just like to say to the people, to the caller who you know who stayed on the line for so long to to get his digs in, which didn't get over the air. Uh, save the time for people that really care about wrestling and not uh, you know being juvenile and ignorant and all those kind of things because it's it should be a lot of fun and when it's not fun you shouldn't be in it. Uh, and wrestling certainly has so many. Di- it's like it's like food, John. Everybody has so many different tastes uh, to to try, and that's what wrestling should be. Yes, indeed. And I also uh, want to wish my dad a happy birthday today. And uh, we'll be seeing you in just a little bit. Have a nice birthday dinner. And Don, you're, of course, uh, coming to the birthday bash for my dad. Wow. Nice. My dad loved Donnie. Yeah. Yeah. Donnie used to visit. My dad uh, had an apartment uh, near Cypress Hills. And uh, when I first met Don, Don would come over, you know, because... He knew I was coming in, um, and uh, he'd hang out with my dad and my grandma and me, and and uh, my dad really liked Donnie, and Donnie loved my dad as well. So that was really cool to hear, especially that this broadcast that we're covering was on his birthday back then. And I do yeah. remember, I think we went to the, I think we went to uh, the Trot Inn, which was a little restaurant uh, for his birthday in North Babylon, New York. Uh, so, yeah, that was kind of cool. Good way to end it. Yeah, when I heard that, too, I was all like, what a perfect weekend for you this must have been. Yeah. You know what I mean? Donnie's coming to town. We're going to go to the meet and greet at Corluzo's. We're going to go see the CCW show. Mm-hmm. We're going to go have dinner with my dad. Like, this is a packed, amazing weekend. Yeah, and then all these years later, we find out the truth about that theme from Red Riding Hood and Bugs Bunny. I mean, what a way to wrap it all up in a nice little tidy bow. Perfect. But but next week, Marsh, next week, and I uploaded that show today. It's in the Google Drive. Uh, We'll put it out for our patrons uh, Sunday. Um, 
and uh, we cover the death of Art Bar. That's what mm. leads it off. Uh, Art was found dead in his car, and so we bring Ron Scholar on to talk about that, uh, and um, and then uh, Public Enemy is in the studio for the show, and it's hilarious. You know, it's you know not just them being in character and their digs and their little you know playing off of each other. Um, you know, obviously it started off sad, but it segued right into when Public Enemy showed up, which was about a half hour into the show. Mm-hmm. It was an amazing segment with them, and I I hadn't heard it in so long because I remember it as like these guys are in character and they should have not they should have been out of character and uh not as kayfabe as they were but mm-hmm. listening back to it now it was refreshing to hear these two guys that were like the hottest tag team at that time uh in the studio talking about everything and just making jokes and having fun with the callers mm-hmm. and uh, and we also have uh, uh evan ginsburg from the wrestling that are now uh, newsletter back then and evan is a historian has been still around actually mm-hmm. and he calls in to discuss uh, art bar who they just had on his he was on a college station they did an overnight show and so it really was a very jam-packed show which is going to be show number 258 uh from november 27th 1994 that we're going to review next week that sounds cool if you had to uh Shotgun and answer. Who do you think was easier to deal with in studio, Power Twins or Public Enemy? Oh, Public Enemy was just because, <laughs> just because they're natural. They're funny. They're not forced funny. They're not bullies. And they're not morons. I'm sure that would make the Power Twins very happy to hear. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, just watch, just putting it up on their Facebook. I mean, they just went hunting again and they had uh, dozens of pictures of them with slaughtered animals all around them you know one picture was like one of them holding a you know with, with a knife and a and a hog uh so yeah so um <laughs> i mean what the hell <laughs> you've always been surrounded by characters yeah always still mm. still am in all, in so many ways but this was a really good one. I like, uh, you know, coming into the new year and uh, and starting off the new year with this. And it was informative. Donnie was there. We talked ECW. We had some good callers. It was a it was a good jam packed episode. Marsh. So thank you for all that work. man. yeah, as soon as that guy said veto from Brooklyn, I said this one's going to be it. Yeah, something's going to happen here. There is no veto from Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I'm excited. I'm happy. This kind of makes me even like more energized and look forward to to what's coming up next. I know we're running towards the end here, but uh, one, two, three, cool. four, five, six after yep. today's show, six left. Yep. And then we'll uh, regroup and perhaps repackage and then go again. Yep. I mean, oh. April of uh, April of this year is going to be 35 years that the show debuted at WNYG. 35 years it's fantastic it's awesome and uh we gotta we gotta we we're gonna have some fun with it you know it's gonna be a good year it will be because i don't know how many i got left (laughs) man none of us know 
No, none of us know. And 2024 is certainly certainly going to be the most volatile year in the history of this country, probably. Oh, yeah. We got a lot of... Uh, we got a lot to look forward to, don't we? <laughs> a lot to dread for. <laughs> so, awesome. Uh, I'm excited, John. Let's, yep. Uh, let's do this. And everything going else uh, well for you on... Uh, on your podcast, what's going on? Give us a little update on what's uh, shaking in Marsh's world right now. And where yeah, they're... Wrestling on the Rocks. Uh, we've been coming back pretty strong on the audio side of things and uh, been having a lot of fun doing that. We're, we record twice a week, but we chop it up and drop a little nugget every day, um, which has been a lot of fun to to kind of get back into, you know, hanging out with my friends. One of my original guys who was one of the reasons we even started one has left the show for a few years and uh, he's back. He's oh, been, nice. He's back. He's re-energized. He's loving the product more than he has in a long time, which is why he kind of stepped away. Sort of like yeah. you, you know, for a while it's like, this feels negative and I don't want to be negative. So let me just take a break, you know? Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, it's been a lot of fun because we've been able to goof off again. So well, that's what makes it really cool. You know, when you're having fun doing it, yeah. like we have fun every week doing this and for you to have, Wrestling on the Rocks, uh, be re-energized, and you guys are all having fun with it. I mean, you got it. Everybody out there, check it out, will you? Yeah, it's fun. Come have a drink with us. We're, we're your drinking buddies. Um, but that's what we're up to, man. Yeah, well, very, very cool. All right, Marsh, listen, I want to thank you again, and um, it's going to be a good year, and you have some exciting things happening in your life this year, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. This is the year we're – I mean – we should be done by March with our current run. So maybe we'll get back together after the wedding. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm thinking of doing is like, once this is over, like we have six weeks, six shows left, yeah. uh, which will take us probably in the middle of February. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Then you have a, a big event. I don't know if you yeah. want to tell everybody about it or not. That's up to you. Uh, so, uh, uh, so once that's over with, maybe we kind of relaunch everything in April. Yeah which makes it 35 years. I think that'd be perfect. And then we start the, uh, we start the cycle and we have uh, some hilarity and some fun and, and people who have not had a chance to hear George from Lyndon Hearst will finally get the opportunity to do so. It's going to be great. I think it's going to be good stuff. Looking all forward right. to it. And, you know, happy new year to all the, the listeners and Patreons and the YouTube watchers and all of them, all of them keep telling your friends about it, share it. Give us a five-star rating on uh, Apple uh, and just kind of spread the word about us. You want us to stick around longer? Join the Patreon community, patreon.com forward slash John Arezzi, and uh, become part of this community with us and help it grow. Maybe we can grow this thing this year. It's been cool and it's been fun seeing the the guys who come on and doing the Zoom calls and getting to know some of those guys. Yes, uh, It's a really cool little community. I've I'm kind of a part of a few of them. Uh, and those, these guys are people I don't get to see in any of the other ones that are really cool. Like they're yeah. really interesting people. So, and Anthony uh, is very, uh, he's in a unique individual, Anthony Pyrus. Oh yeah. He, he actually, before we wrap, he texted me mm -hmm. over holidays, I guess, cause he was listening, uh, to the original broadcast that we just reviewed here. And, uh, this is what he just out of the blue. Uh, it was Wednesday and he goes, I so wish I lived in your area back then. I would have been the biggest bus trip guy. And I responded, and you would have been the life of the party. He goes, I actually find myself jealous of the people who went on that ECW, <laughs> those ECW shows on the bus. 
And he goes, I also find it sad that the original run is ending. It's been an adventure from day one. So yeah. we'll have even more adventures as we will with everybody else. All right, Marsh. Thank you so much. Let me wrap this bad boy up. And that will wrap up this edition of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Uh, six shows to go. And then we uh, will recycle. Uh, so uh, join our communities wherever you may find them. Instagram, Twitter, Threads. That's all at John Arezzi, the YouTube channel, which is so important. And if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, please do so. It just uh, takes a quick minute. We got lots of content up there. YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Uh, also, Patreon, once again, five bucks a month gets you in the door of the levels to choose from. And I am, as I told you before, the break of the first of the year, I'm looking to uh, perhaps sell some of my archives on our Patreon uh, page because you're allowed to sell stuff on there now. So we'll see if we can figure that out because I'm I'm going to be diverting myself of a lot of this stuff uh, over this year. And if you're a fan of history, uh, keep tuned. Uh, don't forget to check out the sister podcast. Uh, probably one of the best episodes ever. A lot of great response on that one. Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden covers all the shows I were at. I was at at the Mecca of All Arenas 50 years ago. And that new show is up reviewing that 50th anniversary of Bruno winning the WWWF title from Stan Stasiak December 10th, 1973. Uh, Carrie Silken. Uh, is on that show with us as well. And that is co-hosted by Tim Putre, written and researched by my dear friend, Richie Garcia. I want to thank our producer and creative director, Marsh. And I want to thank uh, all of the patrons, our executive producers, Anthony Pyrus and Joe Holloway, who will be joining us uh, uh, sometime here in January for a appearance. And uh, all the patrons, each and every one of you, for your support helping with the production costs for this show. Until next week, when we relive more history with you, this is John Arezzi for the Pro Wrestling Spotlight.